This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeaky, live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call an 888 money pit. The money pit is presented by Home Advisor and Dry Core. Now here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And welcome to this episode. If you've got a home, we know you've got home improvements on your to-do list. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but maybe for the weeks and months ahead. If you've got a project you'd like to take on, you are in the right place because we are here for one reason, and that's to help you get the job done as quickly, efficiently, and economically as possible. You've got to help yourself first, though. Pick up the phone and call us with that question. The number is one eight 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 Money Pit eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. You can also go to MoneyPit.com and post your questions there. Coming up on today's show, whether you are creating a kid's room for a new arrival or updating a space for kids who insist that they're just not little anymore, working on a child's room can be a very fun, creative adventure for both you and your child. So we're going to have some tips that can help with that project just ahead. And also ahead, spring showers and melting snow can leave your yard a soggy mess. We're going to show you how to dry up those yards so that you can enjoy them all spring and summer long. And speaking of moisture, basements are one place that get damp and can become really hard to finish. But now there's an ingenious new floor product that can actually put some distance between you and that damp floor. We'll share that tip in just a bit. But first, we want to know what you are working on. It's almost spring. I'm going with it. Maybe the weather's going to turn really soon and everybody's going to get outside and start enjoying themselves. So what can we do to help you get your money pit ready for a fantastic spring and summer season? We're standing by, so give us a call. I think we can call it pre-spring. That's our new season. We're in the pre-spring season. Give us a call right now, 888-666-3974. Robert in North Carolina is on the line and is dealing with a dryer that, guess what, just is not drying. That's the worst. Tell us what's going on. Well, I've got a dryer. It's about five or six years old. And here late for about the past six or eight months, it's taken sometimes three cycles to dry, like a medium to large size load of clothes. Oh, that makes no sense. Yeah, and uh, the heating rail won't replace maybe a year and a half, two years ago, we just don't know what's going on with it. Do you get good airflow when the dryer runs where it's pushing warm air out the exhaust duct? Yeah, I went up to the roof one time when it was running, and it was coming out of there uh, fairly decent, and the air was warm. You know, you just may have uncovered one problem. When you take a dryer vent and you push it up against gravity, and so it's driving all the way up to the roof from, I presume, the second floor, you know, dryer's not really designed to do that, and I know that a lot of times... Folks install them that way, but trying to force that hot air to go up all of that distance to the roof can sometimes be problematic. Look, if your dryer's not heating 
properly, there's only a few things that could be causing that. One is the heating element. So let's presume that this is working correctly, although it certainly seems sounds like it's not. There could be multiple heating elements, and one could be burned out. This is the reason you feel some warm air. Um, the next thing is the, the duct work, and you want to make sure that that's clean. Not only the external duct work, but even internally, sometimes if you get something stuck in the internal duct work in the dryer, that can block some of the airflow itself. And the other thing that can happen is sometimes it can overheat and then cycle. So if it's overheating, what will happen is it will get really hot, and then it will overheat, and the heating element will go off. And then it will cool down, and then it will come on again. It will get really hot, and it will go off. And that kind of cycling of a thermostat can be a problem as well. I mean, at this point, it sounds to me like you've done almost everything that you can do on your own you might want to either replace it or get it serviced. How old is the dryer? Probably no more than six years. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, six to eight years is not a is not a terribly uh, uh, short period of time for a dryer. So it, it you might want to think about uh, replacing it or getting a pro to fix it because I think it's probably one of those three things that's causing the issue. Yeah. And another thing, it's got about between 20 and 25 feet of... Uh, it has the corrugated duct. We're thinking about changing that to the smooth uh, stovepipe kind of duct. Would that help also? Where's this 20, 25 feet? You mean from the discharge port all the way up to the attic where it discharges? Yes. And it's a long way, and certainly a solid metal duct is going to be better. Um, can you go up into the attic and then go sort of across the attic floor and down towards a soffit and install a vent right there? Um, it's possible. It's just a single-story house, so I'm sure I could do that. But the laundry room is in the middle of the house. i got to tell you, even if you had the venting perfectly, three running this thing for three loads to dry one load of clothes sounds like it's something else and not necessarily totally venting. Okay, yeah, we were thinking about uh, just don't think it's worth it to call somebody out there to fix it. We've got, we found a, a, pretty, a fairly decent dryer. Yep. We know somebody that runs a child care center and uses the one we're thinking about getting and they run it five, six times a day, and they've had theirs for three years. I think that makes sense. I mean, unfortunately, these, these products today are almost disposable because the cost of repair is uh, so high. I will give you one of the suggestions. There's a website called repairclinic.com. That's pretty good at helping you identify problems with, uh, with appliances and then selling you the parts you need to fix it. So you may want to take a look at that. They have a little tool there where you can put in your model number and it'll walk you through the scenarios. And who knows, it might be a common problem with that particular model. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Betty in Texas, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? We live in a ranch style home and uh, we have several bedrooms and bathrooms where the, um, the door frames, up above the door frames on just one side are cracking. And we have repeatedly have... Uh, contract workers out here to repair them, and it is not held. feel like it's Groundhog Day. You're fixing the same thing over and over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty common. Um, around the door frame and around windows, those are the weakest portions of the wall. So mm-hmm. if you have some movement from a normal expansion and contraction, that's where it's going to show. Typically what happens is you'll have a painter or a handyman come out, and they'll spackle the crack and paint it, and it seems to go away for a while. But, of course, as soon as the wall moves again, it shows up. What you really have to do here is sand down the area around the crack, and then you have to cover it with a perforated spackle tape, 
and that usually looks like a like netting and it's a little sticky. You put it across the, the crack and then you spackle over the tape. And that does a permanent repair because it actually sort of melds one side of the wall with the other and it should not separate again the next time the wall moves. Okay. Well, that sounds wonderful. Thank you so much. I appreciate your help. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Barry in North Carolina is on the line and looking for some help with a sunroom. Tell us what you're working on. Well, we've got a 12 by 15 uh, sunroom, and it's just, it gets cold and it gets hot. Um, mm-hmm. It's double pane glass insulated, and it's about two inches thick for the um, the bottom part, but it's like all metal, all aluminum, and it's just cold and hot, and I just want to know, and it is ducted. There's air duct out there, and okay. is there anything I can do to make it warmer in the winter and cooler in the summer? Well, what's going on here, Barry, is you are not putting enough cool air or warm air in that space to deal with the heat loss that's going on. So I presume now this you, what you did is extended your HVAC system into this space. Is that how it's ducted? Yes. You say it's ducted? All right. And this is typical. The, the HVAC system is not sized correctly for that area and for the heat loss in that area and for the heat gain in the summer. This is a perfect scenario, though, for you to add a kind of system called a mini-split ductless. Mini-split ductless is basically three pieces. You have an indoor unit that hangs on the wall. You have an outdoor unit that's a very small, very quiet, very efficient compressor. And you have copper tubing that connects the two. And you would buy one that's just big enough for this sunroom. And what it would do is supplement the central heat or cold air that's coming through the duct systems and balance it out. It can have its own thermostat. It can uh, supply warm air in the winter and cold air in the summer and make that room totally comfortable. There's little else that you can do to insulate the structure. It's just a very cold structure by its very nature, a sunroom. But a mini-split ductless is a good product to install to balance this out. You might want to take a look at this website, constantcomfort.com. That's the website for the Fujitsu company. I personally have mm-hmm. a Fujitsu mini-split ductless in my office because the room, just like you say, it's too hot in the summer, too cold in the winter. And it's been the perfect uh, addition to my HVAC plan because it really makes this space comfortable. I've seen those units mounted before, but usually they're mounted up high. Can they be mounted down low? You know, I believe they can, but the higher the better, especially for the cold air so it falls. But there's only like two and a half feet of solid piece down below. The rest of it's all window. Well, what about the wall against the house where the ducks come through? Um, That's the point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, see, it doesn't have to be on the exterior wall. It okay. can, and in fact, you would want to have it on the interior wall against the house where the ducks come through mounted up high. And you'll be amazed at how comfortable that space will be. The website, again, is constantcomfort.com. You can check out the Fujitsu's there. And they also have an energy efficiency calculator so you can figure out you know, pretty much how much energy you save. The problem is that we build these spaces and we add them onto our house. We try to extend the heating and cooling systems. And it just puts too much pressure on the system. Yeah, it's just not enough. Okay, very good. That answers my question, then. All right, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. 
Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Call us right now at 888-666-3974. Now, you can call us any time of the day or the night. If you're hearing the radio show, if you're hearing our podcast, 888 Money Pit is basically staffed 24-7 with folks that are there just to help you with your projects by taking that call, taking that question. And then we will try to call you back the next time we are on the air. So if you've got something that you need to get done, we'd love to help. Dottie in Nebraska's on the line and needs some help with a flooring project. What can we do for you today? I'm replacing, will be replacing an, a vinyl floor in the kitchen. And I've never had a wood floor. I love the look of wood. But I'm confused as to whether to go with wood or wood laminate because I want easy care. Okay. And this is strictly for your kitchen or does it? We will be going into the dining room too, we've decided. We'll be taking up carpet in there to extend into the dining room. Okay. So it's, is it an open plan or is there a threshold or, you know, is there a division between these two spaces? There is a counter between the two. Okay. Now, for kitchens, I mean, hardwood floors are beautiful, but generally, even if they have, you know, a commercial type of coating on them, they're not really meant to stand up to the wear and tear and perhaps the moisture that could occur in a kitchen environment. Um, I think a laminate is probably a better choice for you just because of the way they are made and the finishes on top of them make them more easy to clean, easier to deal with any spills that might occur, and certainly, you know, more durable. And of course, can look like anything. I actually just put a laminate in a home I redid in California that was a six-inch wide plank that had a hand-scraped finish on it. So it certainly had that warmth and look and a quality of a traditional hardwood that you're probably looking for. And, you know, depending on the quality of laminate, you could get kind of close to a hardwood price, (laughs) but I think you can still keep it in your price range. But you can find certainly beautiful options in the laminate. I think that's probably the way you want to go for a kitchen. Okay, and see if you agree with this. I've been told that we have oak cabinets that are okay and um, not to try to match those. 
Is that right? To go lighter or darker? Absolutely. What color is the oak? Is it sort of natural? Has it been stained a different tone? It's pretty typical warm oak, kind of a golden, kind of a medium brown. I like the idea of a darker floor in a kitchen. I feel like it's more forgiving. I feel like it makes the cabinet sort of jump off and create a more you know, put together look for a kitchen space. I think with a lighter floor, you're always going to be trying to clean it, care for it, cover it up. Okay. And as far, I have a friend who put, I think she said hers is cherry, but I love the look. It's kind of a, the the, the planks are different shapes. They're not all the same color. Is that something you think that I could find or would that look nice with the oak? Now, when you say different shades, is it strikingly different? Does it look sort of patchworky no. or is it more no. tonal? more subtle than that. More subtle. I mean, I think it could be a very good look if you've got the right look for your kitchen. You know, that tends to be a more... Not a hippy-dippy, but bohemian, free-spirited, sort of eclectic look that's very popular right now. Mm -hmm. So if you've got that look going in your lighting fixtures and in your tile work and in your countertops, then it could really tie it all in together. Okay, and one last question. That floor that I like is laid on the diagonal. Do you do that much, and do you recommend that? Depends on the size of the space. Because if it's a tighter or a narrow kitchen, it could look very busy. But if you've got a good expanse and the kitchen is fairly wide, then it could it could play very nicely. Well, that's wonderful. That's what I wanted to know. I thought probably the laminate was better. Um, I want it to look beautiful. You know, I don't want it to look fake. I'll tell you, Dottie, I have laminate in my kitchen, and I've had okay. it for about 10 years now. It looks like a stone floor, and it's beautiful. Wonderful. Okay. And no particular brand tips or anything like that? Maybe you can't do that. I'm really a novice here. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you, you might just want a good place just to kind of shop for it is LumberLiquidators.com, sure. only because they have good prices, and they have a whole bunch of manufacturers there on their website. So that might be a okay. good place to start. I will do it. Thank you so much. All right, Dottie. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, whether you're creating a kid's room for a new arrival or you're updating a space for kids who just are insisting they're not little anymore, I had one of those. It was a very dramatic request. <laughs> well, it involved a lot of tears and frustration, but she decided it was time. And I said, hey, no problem. And we made over the room. But listen, no matter what state your kids are in, whether they're ready for a new room or they're just entering this beautiful life, Making over that room is a great opportunity for you to really put in some of the personality that you and your children share. So we're going to have some tips to help make that project a success. Yeah, now the first trick really is to go into this project knowing the parameters of what you can spend, the smarts of material selection, and how to make that space safe, healthy, and adaptable as your junior designer starts to grow. Now, believe it or not, it's possible to combine coolness and practicality, safety and organization. All of these things will make a room that both you and your kid is going to love. Now, next up, you've got to think through how many kids are using this space now and how many will be in the near future. Maybe it's the next two to five years, something like that. What are those kids' ages? What age landmarks are they going to be hitting in the next few years while they're in this space? So think maybe baby to preschooler or grade schooler to tween, tween to teen, all of that, because you want to sort of make that space you know, work for both of those age ranges so that you're not reducing the amount of time that they can actually enjoy the space. Yeah. And I think part of that space planning is really thinking through the activities that are going to happen there. You know, sleeping and homework are the two obvious 
uh, though hated necessities, I would say, at least they were in my house, <laughs> playing arts and crafts, sporting good stories, you know, those sorts of things all have to be considered as well as what you feel comfortable allowing in the kids zone versus the family zone. So you need to think through these ideas with your kids and maybe even include them in the decisions that can help make sure the room works well for the entire family. For more tips, check out our post, create a kid's room that will grow with your child. That's on moneypit.com. Now we've got Leroy on the line who's got a painting question. How can we help you today? Yes, I uh, had some uh, water damage on my ceiling. It uh, has left a stain on uh, the ceiling in the bedroom. I was wondering what can I do to repair that. I paint over and it still comes through. Yeah, if you don't prime it first, Leroy, it will come through. So the key is that you have to prime the stained spots because the chemical reaction that occurs in the stained area absolutely has a way of pulling right through the top coat of paint. So if you prime it and then paint over it, you'll be okay. Now, I will say this. If you spot prime it and then flat paint over it, you may... Uh, see a slightly different sheen, even though it's a flat sheen, because the absorption rate is going to be different uh, on the primed versus the non-primed spot. If you really want to do it right, you would prime the entire ceiling and then repaint the entire ceiling, and then it would be completely invisible. But if you don't prime it, you will see the stains pull through. Great. Hey, thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. MONEYPIT. Well, when spring comes around, a combination of snow melt and rain can spell disaster for your basement and landscaping. And that water can no doubt cause a lot of damage if it goes where it shouldn't. Yep, yard drainage is a topic that most folks only deal with when it causes a big problem like a flood. But, you know, it can definitely impact landscaping and also make the yard just hard to use. 
Yeah, so here's where you have to start, really. First of all, your number one defense against water is cleaning out your gutters. Now, those gutters really do a fantastic job of getting the water away from the foundation. So even if your property is graded correctly, water pouring right against that roof line of the house can and will find its way into the cellar. If it's possible to, it goes the craziest route and creeps along things and finds its way. I promise you that stuff can happen. So you've got to make sure that you either have a gutter extension or a splash block at the base of each gutter. This way, when the water comes out, it's directed away from that foundation. Now, once you've covered your bases in terms of the gutter runoff, it's time to take a look at the grading. The grade around your yard should slope away from the house, not towards it. The 10 feet of ground that's closest to the house should really drop by at least about six inches in order to keep that water away from the foundation. That pooling water can definitely suffocate plants and deprive their roots of oxygen. So you have to also make sure that your gardens are draining properly. Now, that's going to handle any water that pools around the foundation. But if your yard does get soggy, you might need another solution, and that's something called a curtain drain. And I think people get confused about what the functionality of a curtain drain is. Yeah, they have a lot of different names, curtain drains and French drains and such. But basically, it's a trench with a pipe in it (laughs) that you can't see. So a curtain drain basically is installed at the lowest part of the yard where the water pools. And the way it's installed is a trench is dug that's usually about 12 inches wide, about 12 inches deep. Typically, you put uh, two or three inches of stone in it and then a perforated pipe. And then you run that pipe sort of all the way around the house or whichever direction you have to go to get to the low point. Because water is going to collect at that low point point, enter the pipe, and then discharge out the other end. So it's a lot of work to do it, but it does really do a good job of drying out yards that are soggy and they're not soggy right against the house. They're soggy kind of in the middle of the yard. And this way you can use that space. I mean, is that really what a dry well is, like a space for that water to go to? Yeah, it is. And so that's that's a good question. So sometimes folks that are trying to keep, they don't have a place to discharge the water, they'll essentially dig a hole about the size of a, of a 55-gallon barrel, frankly. And that gets filled with stone. And then the discharge pipe, if it's from your sump pump or from a downspout or an underground drain, will go into that dry well. And what that does is sort of collects the water and then lets it seep more slowly back into the soil beneath as opposed to just ponding on top. I mean, think about it. Water that it's in a puddle, it's always going to drain eventually. But if you drop it into the dry well, then it just does that draining basically below grade. Now we've got Lorraine in Arizona who needs some help with a paneling decorating project. Welcome, Lorraine. We have an older home that has um, two walls and has paneling on. And I was told that Uh, If we took the paneling off, it would probably damage the drywall. Mm -hmm. So I was considering maybe trying to put something over top of the paneling to give it a different look and wanted some suggestions. Well, it depends. It depends on how it's attached to whatever is behind it. There may not be any drywall behind it. It might just be the paneling attached directly to the studs, in which case you would have to put drywall up. It could be that the paneling was glued to the drywall, then you would never get it off without completely destroying the drywall. Or it could be that it was just nailed on. You're not really going to know until you sort of peer at a corner or an area where you can take off a little bit of trim work and see what exactly is going on before you make a decision. So that's probably best step number one. Now, if you find out that there's really no removing it and your choices are to deal with the paneling and make it look better or cover over it with, you know, quarter inch drywall, you can do that. You know, it depends on how much work you want to do. 
painting paneling certainly is an excellent option. I mean, it, it creates a totally different look when you paint paneling, you know, a crisp, glossy white or an off-white or something that really just poses a good neutral backdrop and just sort of go with it. Okay, this is very light paneling anyway. And I mean, are you at a point where you just want to see it be darker, different, or gone? Different. You know, painting it really does look nice. It doesn't have to be something that, you know, in the end you're going to think, ooh, that doesn't look good. You just have to make sure that you clean it, you prime it well, and then you give it a good top coat. Now, I would really start by just taking off a piece of trimming and door frame and seeing how it's attached. And if you want to truly start with just a fresh look, you can absolutely cover over the entire space with quarter-inch drywall without losing too much space. You're just going to have to sort of bump out your electrical boxes, your switches, your trim work, etc., which for a handy person isn't that big of a deal. So, I mean, it could be a project you could do on your own or to hire somebody wouldn't be that expensive. Okay, sounds good. All right, good luck with that. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Robert in Oregon's on the line and is having an issue with some plaster walls at his home. How can we help you? Well, I uh, was finishing a room in my bedroom, and and after applying the plaster, uh, some of the plaster was coming off after I painted it. But originally, I did the living room, which was my first job, and I mixed it a bunch of, of the plaster, imperial plaster, and, of course, I mixed too much, and it got hard, you know. So I learned not to mix so much because only, you can only use so much during a certain time, you know, before it sets up. So anyway, in the next room, I, you know, drywalled it, finished it, and then I used a product called Plaster Weld, which is supposed to be a primer for the plaster. Right. Plaster Weld is a bonding agent. Right. And you use this on top of drywall, is that correct? Yes. Was it new drywall? Uh, yeah, new drywall. Okay. But I, but I prime the walls first. Okay. And then put the plaster weld over that. Mm, okay. And then uh, mixed up my plaster with imperial plaster, and applied it, and finished it all up and trialed it to the, you know the texture I wanted. And then uh, we went back, my wife and I, and touched up a few spots, and then let it dry overnight. Then we put a primer on it, and while putting the primer on it, some of the plaster was coming off. First of all, I would not have primed the drywall. Uh-huh. I don't really see a reason to do that. I mean, you prime the drywall to control adhesion uh, and to stop the uh, the absorption, I should say, of, of the new paint, the top coat of paint, and to get an even sheen. But you weren't really concerned about sheen because you intended to do a plaster coat. You were basically building what's called plaster lath. This is the way homes were done in the 50s where you have a a drywall base and then you put a plaster coat on top of that. The bonding agent was the right thing to do. But that should have gone directly on to the drywall. Now you put the drywall on, then you put a primer over that, and then you put the bonding agent on top of that. So now you have to get the bonding agent to stick to the primer. And that's a little more difficult than getting it to stick to the raw drywall. So I think you've got a situation now where you're going to have this problem potentially repeating itself. So I hate to tell you this, but what I might do is put another layer of drywall over this real thin layer and start again. You don't have to use half inch. You could use quarter inch just to skim it mm-hmm. and then put the plaster over that. All right. Thanks. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. 
Well, if you have a basement or maybe a split level where the lower floor is below grade, it might feel like you're constantly battling a damp space. And one of the reasons it feels that way is that the concrete is always releasing moisture. But when it comes to your floor, there's an innovative new product that can help make that space warm and comfortable. Yeah, it's called DryCore, and it's basically an engineered subfloor solution. It comes as a two-foot by two-foot square tile, and it goes down first before the finished floor. And in doing so, it creates a raised moisture barrier, and it covers that cold, damp concrete and also protects and insulates and sort of cushions your finished floors. The DryCore subfloor panels have an air gap technology which protects against moisture and that can help prevent mold and mildew. And they also insulate against the cold concrete, and that's why the floors are going to feel warmer and softer even to walk on. Yeah, that's right. That's definitely what those dry core panels are doing. And as a bonus, they're easy to install, and you can leave them as is, or you can put another type of flooring over them, like maybe an engineered hardwood, a laminate, even a vinyl plank. I mean, there's so many flooring choices, and you can install almost any of them over the dry core. Yeah, and it's not expensive. It runs about $1.56 a square foot, and it's available at Home Depot, Lowe's, and Menards. If you're going to do a basement floor, you've got to put down DryCore first. Check it out at DryCore.com, D-R-I-C-O-R-E.com. All right, now we've got James on the line. What can we help you with today? Spent a little bit more money this time, and I used a western red cedar for my fence. And I was wondering if you recommend I put some kind of stain on that or just let it run its normal color. Well, its normal color is not going to be red. It's going to be dark gray to black. Like silvery gray even. Even though it's it's cedar and naturally insect resistant, it's not going to keep that cedar color. The color will fade pretty quickly. So if you want to keep the color, you do have to stain it. And I would use a solid color stain on top of that. Okay. Solid color exterior stain. And make sure you get the edges of the boards. Otherwise, it will rot, especially from the bottom on up. All right. And with cedar, you know, a lot of manufacturers recommend leaving it unfinished for 6 to 12 months, but that's not true with cedar. Cedar, you should finish right away. This way, it stays really nice. Okay. Um, should I get a product with a seal in it, a sealer in it, or just the, just the color? Exterior stains have sealers built into them, okay. James. So that's going to protect it, just an exterior siding stain. Great. Well, I appreciate it. You can head to MoneyPit.com and post your home improvement question. That's what Jack did. Jack's in California. That's right. Jack writes, we have a house at our property that is 105 years old. No one's living there right now, but we still have the electricity and plumbing turned on. What would be the best way to put this house in a vacant or storage mode to minimize the damage while it's empty? Very good question, Jack. And a lot of folks think that you can pretty much mothball a home in its entirety. But if you do that, if you turn everything off, especially if you turn the heat off completely, you're going to find that the home will do some very weird things. The walls will get damp. They can grow mold. Wallpaper can fall off. Carpets can, you know, get mold in them. You can actually get more allergens that will form. The doors can swell. The walls are cracked. So you never want to do that. What you want to do is this. First of all, yes, of course, turn off the water, drain all of the pipes. If you have water that remains like in the toilet bowls or in the traps, you can just take some antifreeze, just like regular car antifreeze is fine, and pour a little bit in every location. This way that water will never freeze and break the fixture. You, of course, want to make sure that the home is completely secure. But most importantly, set the heat at a reasonable temperature, like perhaps around 60 degrees. I would not let it go much colder than that because if you do, all that weird stuff 
is going to happen. And finally, remember that you don't want it to look totally vacant because you could get some crime, some breaking and entering in that house. So invest in one of the many types of smart outlets or smart lighting switches that have random patterns now where lights can come on and off. And it makes it appear like perhaps there's a little bit of activity in their house. Follow those steps and I think you will be good to go. All right. Next up, we've got a post here from Jessica in New Jersey who writes, I'm restoring the wood floors throughout my home, and most of the floor looks great, but one large stain in particular seems to go quite deep, so I just can't sand it out. Is there something I can treat this wood with, or maybe a dark stain will make that stain less noticeable? Well, let's see. I mean, I'm not quite sure how you know that it's that deep. If you were to sand it out, you may have to, you know, sand significantly, but it would probably get to the bottom of the stain at some point. Then you have to refinish probably the whole floor. The idea of restaining on top of that or maybe trying to darken the areas around it, a little risky because, you know, it's never going to take exactly as you expect it. So I think if it was my house and I really had hardwood, nice hardwood floors, I would not want to make them all dark because I think that's going to take away from it. I would probably have them all re-sanded. Now, you can hire out at least this part of the job to a, a professional refinishing company and have them at least the sanding if you want to do the finish yourself. The sanding is key, though, because it involves some very specialized equipment that although you can rent, I don't recommend it because it's the kind of thing that you need to have some skill and some practices and experience with. Otherwise, you would absolutely totally ruin those floors. I mean, they really have a mind of their own if you can't control them. <laughs> those sanders can go. Yeah, I mean, they're basically 12-inch belt sanders with really big motors. And if you don't hold it just right, it can really take you for a ride. And if you just, I mean, if you cough or sneeze and you twist the thing a little bit, it'll dig right in the floor and you'll never get that little ding out. So not a DIY project sanding a floor. But I'll tell you what, if that doesn't work, you're not ready for all that, there's always the area rug. Just cover it up. (laughs) Good tip. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. You've been listening to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show, and we are so glad that you took a small part of your day to do just that. We hope we've been able to give you some great ideas, some tips, some inspiration, to maybe to avoid some perspiration when it comes time to take on your next home improvement, remodeling, or decor project. Once again, you can reach us at 888 Pit any time of the day or night. We will take your information and call you back the next time we are in the studio. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. 